Fire School, the podcast. You're on spin. You are very welcome back to Spin Air School, and it is now time to tackle another Leaving Cert subject. This time, history is topic of debate. And delighted to be joined by subject expert, teacher, and Leaving Cert examiner, Pat Keane. Pat, thank you so much for joining us on Spin Air School. You're very welcome, Louise. Pat, we're going to jump in and talk all things history because I know that it's an important time for history subjects. You're going to tell us shortly how best we can impress our history examiner. Love the sound of that phrase. But first, let's talk about the more pressing issue of the history project or report that is due for submission on April 23rd. It is, Louise. They've extended it by a whole week, which I thought was unbelievably mean of them, but that's what they did. I thought they might give an extra fortnight, but they didn't. And a lot of students... Louise will be heading home for the Easter holidays with the intention of parceling away a bit of time to do this because with any research the most difficult aspect of it is getting a chunk of time where homework isn't getting in the way. So the bottom line with it is that it doesn't matter what stage in the process you're at, everything is retrievable for students. April the 23rd is still a good chunk of time away and um, I corrected the Leaving Cert in 2019 and 68 students out of 204 got the full 100 marks. So it is completely achievable to do really, really well here. And the average mark across the board is over 90. So this is, it's pre-submitted. So I, my top tip for students doing this is to realise that you're not preparing for the Leaving Cert when you're doing the research study report, you're actually doing the Leaving Cert. So every minute you put into it is is uh, it's it's well invested you know uh, there's a couple of things about it most people get the 50 marks the students now will know what i'm talking about here but most people get the 50 marks for the extended essay because at this stage they're all expert essay writers the marks tend to be lost in the bits and pieces around it so if i may i'll just give a few tips and ideas to uh, students to help them along um, first of all, there's two pages in the booklet that you submitted in for the, what's called the evaluation of sources. And that two pages is worth 25 marks. There's 15 pages for the extended essay and yet two pages is worth half the marks the extended essay is for. A lot of students talk about uh, the strength of the source and the weakness of the source, but they forget to talk about the relevance of the source and uh, that will lose your marks. So make sure that you cover three basis there, hugely important. What we mean by relevance, Louise, is just the usefulness of the source to your particular project. Uh, it might be a wonderful source in itself, but it might, mightn't have been of great use to yours. And you just need one strength, one weakness, and one relevance. The other tip as well is, if you're doing the higher paper, you're evaluating three sources. Make sure you give equal amount of space to all three sources, even if maybe the third source was only marginally relevant to your project. Give them the same amount of space to make sure that you pick up the maximum 25 marks. That's the uh, that's 25 marks of the remaining 50. The other section then is the review of the process. And this is 10 marks, but it causes a lot of confusion for students. When we talk about the process, a lot of students rehash the evaluation of sources in the process, in the review of the process. What we mean by the process is things like challenging, how challenging was it to find a working title? Um, how did you manage getting sources? Was there too many or too few? Organizing your research, 
getting a block of time to concentrate on research where homework wasn't getting in the way, getting from the research notes to the extended essay, which is a major stumbling block for a lot of students, uh, editing. Um, Louise, in the higher paper, you're allowed to write 12 to 1500 words. Students will come into teachers with two and a half thousand to three thousand words. Editing is a major headache. And um, the other thing is um, what you learned while you were doing the project, which you um, can use in the future. And the big tip here is make sure to write a full page. People think that they can get 10 marks for writing, writing five to six lines. You need to write a full page. So that's the research study report. And if you do the bits and pieces around it, the mechanics, um, it's, it's quite straightforward. Just very briefly on the outline plan, a lot of people get most of the marks in the outline plan, but just on the citation of sources, two things there. Most students either use a book or internet source or both. If you use an internet source, it's very important to give the examiner the full URL address. Don't just send them to a homepage of um, a website. They need the full URL address. The second tip here is to make sure that you write the date that you consulted the website beside it because it might be taken down when the examiner goes to have a look at it. And there's the the second thing there in terms of the book is make sure that you have the author, the book title, the publisher and the year of publication. And if there are several editions, make sure that you mention which edition it is. And that will ensure that you'll get the remaining 50 marks that, you know, as I say, everybody gets the 50 out of 50 in the extended essay. If you tick those boxes, you'll make sure you get the other 50 as well, you know. A great thorough kind of run through there and thank you for that Pat because I'm sure students will be more than grateful to be able to tick those boxes as you said and have that kind of out of the way before it comes to sitting the written exam and I think the overwhelming majority seem to be opting for both the predictive grades and then giving themselves that insurance policy of sitting the written exam as well which I think look they have the option to do both this year so why not they may as well. Um, let's talk about the written exam because it's two hours and 50 minutes long it's worth 400 marks it's quite a long exam and I know that generally history students are under time constraints when they're sitting their higher level history exam. Yeah, well, fortunately now, Louise, we're in a great situation this year for students. And that's why I encourage students to do the actual exam, because as you quite rightly point out, you kind of get two bites of the cherry, you know. Um, in relation to the exam, they made the changes yesterday. And what they've decided to do is that, in fact, rather than answering four questions, you only have to answer three questions. And the duration of the exam, two hours and 50 minutes, as you quite rightly point out, stays the same. So that gives you 55 minutes rather than 42 minutes to answer a question. And a few tips here again now. Um, students will be familiar with the American scheme. The 60 marks for what's called the CM or the cumulative mark and there's 40 marks for the overall evaluation. Now, what I say to students in reference to the cumulative mark is that the three key words to keep in your mind all the time is that your information is substantial, relevant, and accurate. And there's loads of time between now and the exam to write, to, to really get yourself organized for this. And I always encourage students to write your paragraphs or your ideas for your paragraphs on index cards. Stay away from writing on A4 paper and writing in um, lever arch files and that kind of thing. If you use index cards, uh, you can use all those little pockets of time between now and the leaving cert because your study is portable 
that might apply to other subjects as well, but it certainly uh, applies to the to the history leaving cert, and I encourage my own students to do that. The other thing, of course, is the old nuggets with the, the actual exam is to measure twice and cut once. So make sure that you read and reread the question. You don't want to come out of the exam and look at it and say, oh my God, I never saw the second part. There's actually two questions here, not one. And the other thing as well, from a visual point of view, it's not always possible, but try if you can to keep the paragraphs the same length. Um, and I always say that a good paragraph, which will push you towards a H1, if that's what you're after, is kind of, for most people, it's at least two thirds of a page. Um, and maybe with 55 minutes, it might even be a page. Um, and to make sure there's plenty of content in it. Um, I know from correcting exams, in the, I, I've done the appeals as well. And you get somebody who writes a very long paragraph, but it's all commentary and no content. It's done reasonably well in the overall evaluation, but there's very poor content in it. So make sure you have plenty of content in your, um, in your, in your paragraph. Rather than talk about the essay, it's easier to talk about paragraphs because you know, an essay is a collection of paragraphs knitted together. So if you focus in on the paragraph element of it, it's easier. The other thing is with, uh, with, with the paragraph is that know the exit strategy from your paragraph before you start it. You know, what's going to get you into the next paragraph? And the other thing is, um, and this is more uh, relevant as well, is which your sentences, know the start of your sentence, sorry, know the end of your sentence before you start writing it, because you can often read a sentence in an exam that's 30 or 40 words in it, and um, it just ruins the narrative, it ruins the flow of it, you know. So a couple of tips and ideas, but the main thing is the key words, you know, um, the key words of accurate, relevant, and substantial. I mean, they are looking for um, substantial information. And another tip I'd give as well there, Louise, is um, address the question in every paragraph. A lot of candidates address the question in the introduction and they address the question in the conclusion and they forget the question during the uh, during the essay, which can happen. And with the 55 minutes, Louise, I would give a tip to students to actually physically write down the question. Uh, in the old system with 42 minutes, you wouldn't have the time, but a lot of the questions, the essay is only one sentence or maybe two short sentences. It's amazing what it does to your brain when you actually write it down rather than maybe highlight the word on the on the on the uh, yeah. The other thing I'd say there, Louise, just one more tip is um, is um, the the introduction and the conclusion. If there's date parameters on the essay, you're allowed to write outside the date parameters in the introduction and the conclusion. And please, 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 candidates, avoid summarizing the essay in the introduction and the conclusion. You'll get very poor marks for that try and say something original or try and introduce it in an original way. Think of a paragraph in the introduction that's going to engage an examiner that's probably correcting this at six o'clock in the morning in the middle of July, you know, rather than, than anything else. And a good, uh, again, write in the conclusion outside the date parameters of the essay, you know, that's, that's very important. One essay I would ask, people to be very careful of. It's a bit of a mousetrap essay, Louise, and I know beforehand you're asking me, you know, any tips in that in relation to what might come up, but this is a tip in relation to a type of question you got to be careful of is 
they love this to what and to what extent essay. So to give you an example, they might ask you a question like to what extent was Hitler's foreign policy responsible for World War II? The essay is not about Hitler's foreign policy. The essay is about the causes of World War II and how significant Hitler's foreign policy was in the context of the other causes. So you just got to be careful there. And in the pursuit of sovereignty topic, they do love the question, to what extent were the treaty negotiations responsible for World War II? Or sorry, not World War II, but the, the Civil War. Um, again, the question is on the causes of the Civil War, not on the, um, the treaty negotiations. So just be careful with a question like that. Brilliant. Yeah, really fantastic advice, Pat. And I think you've covered a multitude there with all of those tips. Uh, I guess finally, and in a nutshell, because I know we get caught in time each and every week uh, on this show, and it really is just a pity because there is so much in this subject. But we've got to give a special shout out to the crammers, right? Because let's face it, I can put my hand up and say I was one of them. And there is, you know, success can come from cramming as well. So if you were a betting man, Pat, and you had to maybe choose a question that you could bank on as a crammer and put your time and effort into, what would that question be? Uh, well, I, you're going to accuse me now, Louise, of being a politician because I'm going to avoid your question. But um, I haven't actually sat down and looked at the past exam papers. And I'll tell you why that is really dangerous territory this year. It's dangerous because last year's exam didn't happen in June when it was supposed to happen. So they published the paper that they would have given had it happened. So do you rely on that paper and do you base your predictions this year on an exam that didn't happen? And that's where the gray area is uh, this year. But I will say this to students, everybody crams. I know people talk about people who are crammers and people who are not. I always say to students, if you study something in February, you have to revise it again in May, you know, and they often looked, look at me, Louise, a little bit perplexed when I tell them that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. The time doesn't expand. The one thing I will say to students, though, as a word of encouragement is give yourself credit. You know far more than you're giving yourself credit for. Because this pressure comes on you, you all, all of a sudden you sell yourself on the idea that you know nothing. The other thing I'd say to um, students is that examiners are teachers. We bat for students. The amount of toing and froing I've had with external examiners telling me that I can't give that a H2 because we're batting for the students particularly this year, they've lost 44 days in fifth year and nearly as many in sixth year. We fully understand. Just help the examiner this year in terms of, you know, your, the legibility of your writing. In previous years, there's, there's license for it. Just be careful this year. And help the examiner in the sense of, in the exam, right between the two vertical lines. Don't be writing... Um, in the margin on the right hand side, that's for the examiner, stay out of it. The other tip as well is label your answer, particularly in the documents based question. If you're doing question two part A part one, tell the examiner that's the one you're doing. Don't leave them reading an answer and guessing which paper your answering is. And uh, as the big one though, Louise, is every time you finish a question, leave five or six lines at the end 
so that you can slot the information in at the end of the exam because people this year are going to have time to read over it. Additional information will come to you. Leave room to slot it in. Don't send them on a guided tour of your answer book. And can I just say in relation to the documents-based question, which we probably won't get time to talk about on this call, um, in uh, October 2019, I gave a presentation on that question to 110 history teachers uh, from all over Munster and even further afield in Cork. It was organized by the Cork History Teachers Association. The marks in the Leaving Cert are poorest in that area, and it's a teacher problem, not a student problem. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, at least for the students up your neck of the woods and around where I am, that that will have clarified a lot of things and it will be taught better than it has been taught in the past, hopefully as a result of the presentation, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. And if only we did have more time to talk about that, Pat, I know that uh, it's just an area of so much interest for teachers and students alike. So hopefully we do get around to that on another show for today though that is all we do have time for if history is your thing and you enjoyed this conversation do stay tuned because very shortly on the show we have a very special guest she is an Irish historian a curator and an author her name is Dr Sinead Bakula and she is going to chat a little bit about careers in history or continuing to study history at third level it's all on the way very shortly on Spinner Skull Spinner Skull the podcast to learn more about our other podcasts check out Spin Spin online or download the GoLoud app. Spin.